Online, your Calma FM. Welcome to the Science of Fiction. Today we're going to be talking about reboots and remakes, and I'm Andrew Holding. And I'm Will Thompson. So, yeah, uh, welcome back to the fourth season. We made it through four seasons, that's incredible. It's over a year. Wow. And, and we may actually make a season of the same length as any previous one this season. Well, yeah, def- hopefully not the same length as the previous season. Yes, well, that wasn't our fault. The studio disappeared for a while. It went into a temporal wormhole. Yeah, we, 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 maybe we should have a show about that, like where, where, where people have found studios. Where have you found the local studio? So, um, yeah, so, so we, we, th- we thought we'd, we'd, you know, in keeping of the you know restarting theme, we'd, uh, well, restarting of the season, uh, we would uh, look at some remakes and reboots and re-other things, new, ver- new versions of um, existing works. So, so you saw things like how many times has Sherlock been made? So it's a good question. How many of them are remakes of each other, and how many of them are remakes of just the original novels? And how many fit in, or is there something like Never Say Never, where they just use the same script, as far as I'm aware? Yeah. I think I think we're going to take the, the distinction between a reboot and a remake, as in, you know, reboots are, you know, disregard all previous canon, um, and just reuse the characters for whatever reason. Um, so I guess, yeah, all the, all the recent comic books... Um, Yes, yeah, so like the DC 52, uh, New 52, which people may probably not know if they're not following DC Comics, which is probably most people these days. Including myself. They decided just to relaunch like 52 of their comics and make them newly available, so they started Superman from the beginning again and things like that, and renumbered Action Comics, which had been going since 1930, wow. uh, to issue one. And it, it was just a public well, it wasn't just for the publicity time, but it was trying to get lots and lots of more people into them. Without everyone feeling they have to spend years catching up on all the backstory. Yeah, though of course some things they just renumbered to one. Fair enough. Uh, but what is interesting is uh, one. Of, so they're doing the second wave because things that didn't do quite so well being dropped, and they're bringing some new stories to bring it back up to fifty-two. So they seem to be very keen on this number fifty-two. It's the number of weeks in a year, which which I, which I assume would be involved, but maybe not. I assumed it was, but no, it is how many comics there seem to be. Um, and yeah, so it's a writer we've heard of quite a few times, China Maville. China Maville, one of, one of my favourite authors. Yeah, and um, we're going. So, so this is Dial H, which I haven't heard of. So it's Dial H seems to be just renaming Dial H. For hero, which I had never heard of before, but when I looked it up, I kind of recognised. Where this guy finds a metal dial, and if he dials in the word hero after translating it from its strange foreign language, uh, he becomes a superhero, and he becomes a different superhero every time he does it. Huh? And but but in in the same, he doesn't get transported anywhere. So he's he's just miraculously someone different today. Yeah, and, and then he can turn himself back by typing O I E H. Ah, yeah. And in one edition, someone typed in villain, and they became a super villain. Yeah, I see what they did there. Yeah, and I have to wonder is how many properties does this machine have? Well, there's a game called Scribble Noughts which comes to mind where you um it's a, it's a Nintendo DS game or something where you where you type in a word. If you want you want to solve puzzles, uh, but you don't have any tools, but you just type in the name of the tool you want and it creates it. Um, and it's got an incredibly large dictionary of words in the I guess in the hope that people won't find the end of it. So if you like summon Cthulhu and God and see who wins. Yep, you can do that. Zombie God. Mm, good question. And it, listeners, if you have played Scribble Knots and you know if you can summon a zombie deity, uh, why not write in and tell us? Uh, you can uh, email studio at camfm.co.uk. Uh, you can use the uh, player on the web form, or uh, you can probably send a text to a number, but if you're really in a position of having to text us, that seems unlikely to me. So let's stick with those two. Well, we've forgotten the number, that's the real reason. So, um, yeah, do see that, and uh, here's our first track. Can't get the 
camfm.co.uk on air and online your camfm welcome back that was just uh, as performed by mark ronson but of course it's originally by radiohead this is from mark ronson's album version which is a whole album of cover versions uh which is uh, pretty good i actually kind of preferred that to the original and this has been all the radiohead fans writing and screaming at me maybe yeah no radiohead fans can be quite terrifying 
Yeah. Oh well. Okay. But, I mean, they're lovely, lovely, lovely people. But um, yeah, they do like their songs. Though I think you're you're safer than oh, who they did that wonderful, strange operatic version of Creep. Oh, and when I say wonderful, I, that was sarcastic. Yeah, there, yeah. There was a, there's an a cappella version of that by a children's choir, which seemed kind of incongruous given Ooh. the subject matter of the song. But you know, hey, what can you do? But that reminds me of um, oh, what's the song that everyone has at their wedding? Which is actually all about stalking every step you take. Oh, yeah, every step you take, every move you make, I'll be watching you. And it's about, it's about this. Yeah, it's about him watching his ex-wife, isn't it? It is definitely not the thing you should have for a wedding. Um, but everyone thinks it's really romantic, even though it w- the it's written for something totally different. Yeah, and it's not even that the, the lyrics are that romantic. Anyway, never mind. What can you do? Um, and of course, there was a brief interlude, which was a the boot up sound from a. Uh, well, re- reboot sound from a popular uh, operating system platform, specifically uh, Apple's one. Yes, uh, which also featured as the sound when one of the little creatures in Wally rebooted. Presumably, Wally was a Pixar movie. Yes. Well, that makes sense. Owned by well, I don't know. It used to be owned by the same guy. Uh, yeah, but now n- n- since Steve Jobs' RIP is RIP, maybe not. Who knows? Uh, someone, the lawyers. Anywho. Um, we, we, ha- we had a message in to say that in uh, Scribble Noughts, if you summon vampires versus God, vampires win for some reason. Um, I'm not sure there's any kind of theological message in that. Maybe there is. Who knows? Well, you, clearly vampires don't like stakes or crosses, so there's, there's something there, um, historically anyway. So, yeah, go- going on with the show, uh, the first remake we thought going to bring up was um, Ocean's Eleven, which Will didn't actually realise was a remake. No, I mean, I, I got that it was a film which had a bunch of unnecessary sequels. Um <laughs> Well, maybe they weren't unnecessary. I, I never saw any, had any desire to see them. But oh, I was, 13 was okay. 12 I, I didn't watch because I got told to avoid it with a barge pole. Fair enough. Well, so I, I won't watch it. But you tell me this is actually a, a film from the 60s. Yes, so it was originally by the Rat Pack, which, uh, of course, meant it had Frank Sinatra in it. I, I, I was only pr- vaguely aware that he was an actor as well as a singer. So this shows how much of a philistine I am. Yeah, and anyway, it was, um, it's generally considered to be quite an awful film. So that's what's quite interesting. It's... I, I have... My feelings of it is it is them having a laugh and you're meant to enjoy it and find it funny. It's not like an actual story, but what's going to interesting about Ocean's Eleven is, of course, they've had to update it. They did it in present day. They didn't do it as a bunch of World War II veterans, as I think the original is. It's a load of people who are criminals getting together and it's all got modern... T- I mean, it's got a Z-pinch in it. I don't know what a Z-pinch is. A Z-pinch is a... Fi- is a thing that causes a massive EMP pulse. Well, in the story, oh, that is. Oh, right. Um, but I think, like... There's only like a few in the world, and they use for testing out fusion underneath giant laboratories. You know, they don't move. Okay. You, you don't put them on the back of a van. But un- they, they un- un- unlike with the creative license taken in the film. Yeah, but they did nick it from a science lab, I think. Okay, well, that makes sense. And they, they, of course, they also updated its aim to include, you know, the, the token hacker character and blah 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 blah. blah. Um, which I guess is one, it's one of the good reasons to update a film when it it no, it no longer makes sense. Well, maybe it's a good reason if. When, you're, when remaking a film like that, you may as well update it to the modern day because otherwise it doesn't really make any sense. There's no, no real point in having a... Well, I, I think it's interesting on something like this. So, in this case, what was quite good is they took a story that showed a lot of promise and hadn't done too well and then tried to make it into something much better. So they saw something they liked about it, whereas you get the other one where the story can be seen a new meaning. And actually, this is quite interesting. It just reminded me of there's the um, Shakespeare Festival going on in London soon. And they have, like, versions of the Roman plays happening in African countries. So, so like, oh, all huh. hit, like Julius Caesar and all those ones, and actually they're quite relevant because it's basically a, r- links to all these unstable regimes, all these dictators, all these assassinations, and the stories actually make sense. 
Huh. And but 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 they're but they're but they're, are they, is the dialogue changed or is it? Well, they are doing them in the local dialects of the countries around. So oh, if you nice. do go along, you better know the Shakespeare because you um, won't understand understand the word word of unless you speak it, which would be um, quite cool, I think. Uh, and I think they're quite cheap actually. Some of it's at the Globe Theatre, obviously. Excellent. So. Speaking of so so, Ocean's Eleven was, was a, a remake where it was you know better than the original, maybe whatever. Um, but um, I Am Legend is uh, I, I was again I, I was aware that it was a book before being a film. I hadn't actually seen the film, read the book, very good. Uh, but apparently there was a, uh, a previous film version of that book. I think there's more than one. Um, but yes, Omega Man's the famous one. And what's interesting to see how when everyone does it, they change. Qu- what it is, where original book plot is about the legend is the fact that he is the last of man and the vampires are taking over or zombies, depending how you want to talk about it's it. It's very, um, yeah the, the, the book's very ambiguous about it I, I think it calls them zombies but they're actually vampires, or vice versa I, so the ones in the recent one with Will Smith, which is on many levels a good movie, I don't like the ending um, because they, I think they made it poorer when they didn't have to but, um yeah, so what they did there is they definitely had zombies they're scared of the light and all that. Sorry, they had vampires. But you can see why they consider it zombies, because it's you know, got this idea of you sort of infection and things like that, and whether you're clean or not. So I can see how they got there. But um, I think it's just because it's before zombie and vampire movies were so big. Right. Well, the, the vampire movies have been a thing for a really long time. Yeah, but I Am Legend's a really old book. A, a fair point well made. Uh, and of course the other, the other one is um, recently done is James Bond was rebooted. Yeah, well, because this, this, this was a case of, you know, I guess it was getting increasingly ridiculous that he'd stayed approximately the same age for the past 40 years, um, and he's get up to all these ridiculous escapades, so they you know, start from scratch, uh, use some previously unused titles, well, previously unused by official Bond films, um, and show a kind of a newer Bond. Of course, it isn't, they, they weren't the first Bond films to be the first re-something of um, of James Bond because um, Never Say Never Again was basically a remake of Thunderball well it was a it was a, a new version of the novel Thunderball well that's because someone ended up with the legal rights and wanted to make money right so it was it was done, done outside of the you know the, the, the main James Bond franchise uh, which is why it doesn't have the uh, standard Bond intro music um, yeah. but it is it is odd because one thing which came out when the new Casino Royale came out was was it a reboot or was it actually that all these James Bonds we've seen for all these years are actually different characters and these are, it's quite odd how people get quite wound up about this on the internet and write about it and was actually James Bond just the code name for 007 and therefore when they talk about 007 you haven't got your 00 licenses where it starts is it because he is the next 007 and in fact all the other actors have been different incarnations of him which would explain why the character seems to have changed except of course that um different characters rem- seem to have all had the same wife. Ah, yeah. Because um, only George Lazenby got married, and then later on in Roger Moore stuff, he's at the grave. But you never know. Maybe maybe he felt sympathetic for his predecessor's wife. Yeah, it's a, it's a complicated life as a spy. So we've had an email um, saying that the most recent remake of um, I Am Legend with Will Smith was originally filmed with the book ending, which I'm not going to quote on the air for spoiler reasons. Um, I guess... It was edited after the fact because... See, I can believe this, because one of the things that's needed in the books is you to realise that the the other creatures are getting sentient, and it sets that they set a trap, they watch and they spy on them, and then they just forget about all this stuff they developed, and that wouldn't totally surprise me, but I've had people tell me that, and then tell me it's the alternative ending on the DVD, which it's not. Huh. So, um... But I think, from reading that email from the spoiler in, I think maybe they're right. Huh. 
Well, maybe, maybe I'll have to give this film a try. Yeah, well, I, I quite like Will Smith actually. So he does a he acts as Will Smith though. He doesn't act any differently. Um, so yeah, the final sort of thing we want to do in this segment remakes is westerns. Seem to consistently be remakes of samurai movies, which has modern parallels because there are, there's now quite a big market in new Korean westerns set in the non-existent Korean West. The Korean, so they're actually set in Korea. They're set in, set in Korea. Film, you know, like Korean writers, Korean actors, set set in the desert in Korea, which doesn't exist. You know, but with all the trains and you know the and the uh, hand hand loaded guns and stuff, which are in American western movies. Oh, that's quite cool. A bit like all American western movies were, of course, filmed in Italy, weren't they? Because that's why spaghetti westerns. That's, the name suddenly makes sense to me. It's either there or Spain, which doesn't make so much sense. So su- supposedly, some of the some pretty famous westerns were remakes of actually possibly more famous uh, uh, Japanese movies. So yeah, so um, the Magnificent Seven was a remake of the Seven Samurai, uh, which is both are worth watching. Uh, Fistful of Dollars, which has got the man with no name, who's Clint Eastwood's better known for doing uh, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, uh, and that's by. And I'm terrible with Japanese names, but Akira Kurosawa. It's the same director as Seven Samurai. Seven Samurai. Um, but what I find really interesting is the same director made a movie called The Hidden Fortress. And this movie was about a princess who gets trapped in a fortress and people have to save her kind of story, uh, and how there are plans for it and stuff like that. And it's actually what an awful lot of Star Wars was based on. I think I, I saw that George Lucas has acknowledged that he was in, that the, structure of, the original structure of Star Wars was influenced by The Hidden Fortress. I think and he acknowledged it now, denies it. Oh, well, you know, he's he's famous for having non-linear history, and, yeah. I, I think he's forgotten what he's written now. He's just getting, you know, a bit old, and he just feels the need to change it, uh, just to confuse us. Right. Um, but it's, I, I guess I, this, this kind of makes sense, because Star Wars is not really a science fiction movie. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fantasy movie. It happens to be in space, but... Yeah, I mean, this is this is one of the things. Do you define science fiction as sort of more speculative and interesting way of looking at something that happens in the future and therefore it's quite interesting to remake it when you've learnt more and how you can see how adaptive for the current day uh, and you know that means it makes the spectra fission no different than you know doing your story in a different country to see how the same situation would turn out differently uh, whereas Star Wars is just silly right. Which I mean it's great it's, it's great I, I, I even like the Ewoks but um, I'm not not convinced that they have a social meaning and it's not like it was a it, it's destroyed the legacy of the hidden fortress because suppose I, I, I'd never heard of it apparently it's it, even among Kurosawa fans it's not thought of as one of his masterpieces it's really mostly remembered for being the inspiration for Star Wars which is handy so um yeah do send in any of your comments if, if any further on the god vampire zombie debate uh, we would like to hear <laughs> uh, any remakes you would want us to us to make no any someone to make preferably not us we're not that good at making yeah. movies anything which any, any any reboots or remakes you think are particularly notable particularly awful uh, have particularly interest interesting updates for you know changing times and technology give us a shot yeah and uh, whilst you're doing that think about this one I wonder if we should rewrite the bible I think it's probably a risky proposition all things considered but really who knows it's all fictional we'll leave it at that
97.2 camfm.co.uk on air and online your camfm Welcome back to the Science of Fiction. Uh, a, a listener wrote in to ask, what is this remix of Led Zeppelin assaulting my ears? It burns. Um, it's, uh, it's a version by Karen O of Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's and Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails fame and Atticus Ross, the pair of them of soundtracks to many excellent movies recently. Um, and it's from the US remake of The Girl with the Dragon, Dragon Tattoo. So, uh, um, yeah. Which I actually kind of like, well, I guess, I guess, dear listener, you probably like Led Zeppelin more than me and Nine Inch Nails less than me. Yeah, and I mean, it kind of works in it, because the whole question is, is it worth remaking these things? And maybe he doesn't agree with this being remade any more than perhaps The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo is. The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo is a strange one, because it seems to be remade um, in English within a couple of years of the original one being made, largely to be made in English. I suppose, you know, it being a you know, David Fincher movie gives it some, you know, it gets it some brownie points, but... Um, but there's a whole pattern of this of people take, taking a, a very su- a successful in English language markets foreign movie and thinking oh great you know we'll just make it again in English and simplifying it maybe well I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing if it reaches more people if it's got a profound meaning but I think The Girl of Dragons 2 is um, such a nasty movie and it's a nasty story of course in the book it's, it's really questionable whether you you kind of want to just make something like that big I, ha- I have to confess that having read the first book without really knowing quite what was involved I have not seen any of the movies or read any of the subsequent books it's just yeah it's just really unpleasant I'm, I'm, I don't really understand why it's such a big hit I certainly found it I just find it yeah I agree and I don't that's why I sort of wonder why you'd want to remake some of it I don't know if it's been sanitised as well in the American version because I I've seen the original version and I don't have a massive desire to sit for it again uh, well not not an Americanized version of it anyway um though I do want to find out how the trilogy ends I've seen the second one but what I do find interesting is it got renamed the title to help it sell better and the original title according this was I read on uh, Laurie Penny who writes for New Statesman is that it was called Men Who Hate Women which is a much more relevant title to the book from The Girl with a Dragon Tattoo and as she said random movies or random books with the girl with something or the woman with something just immediately burn her off because mm. there's so many of them which are actually just horrible sexist misogynistic books where um this book is okay you could say it's sexist misogynistic and all those things but it is generally more about how awful it is rather than promoting it hmm yeah i guess so i mean it, I, 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 but there's a very fine line between revealing something to show how horrible it is and kind of glamorizing it yes it's a very difficult one i think that's something which uh is an interesting thing it's a very interesting book to look at that about and see where does it fit on the line of is it glamorising or is it something really nasty that we need to say happens and it's certainly all about power play and how uh, people are doing badly or strong and it's but yeah I, I find it odd to try and mass market something like that I've, in fact I find that's the distasteful bit I think the book existing isn't you know there can be books out there which have very nasty content but it is very nasty and very explicit yeah, Ch- yeah ch- challenging is one thing but yeah typically don't end up being mainstream hits. On a lighter note, uh, Trevor, who's a science fiction alumnus, um, point, mentions that uh, Let the Right One In which was, was a Swedish movie released in 2008, which was quite successful in the UK and the US and other English language markets. So it was remade as Let Me In in 2010, which he says was, um, you know, as is typically the case, is a lot less subtle than the uh, Scandinavian version and also loses some of the empty town in the middle of nowhere with nothing to do ambiance of the original. Uh, but these, these, these are, I think, children's horror movies, which is a genre I wasn't really familiar with. It's also difficult, that one, because if you are going to remake it, 
and you're remaking it so close to the original, why would you remake it exactly the same? You know, you're looking for an audience who didn't see the original. So presumably if they're not willing to watch a Swedish movie, you are going to simplify it down. You are going to rebrand it for your market. And if it's aimed at younger audiences, then, if not children, but, you know, there's maybe an argument that people are less willing to, to suffer subtitles, maybe? Subtitles are an interesting one because they both are better in some reflects but worse in other reflects because obviously you can get more accurately to what the original text is but you do get distracted from what's going on screen. If it's a very visual thing or it's very spooky, you know, reading the text at the bottom is going to destroy the build-up sometimes. Yeah. And we had a um, we've had, had another message in uh, saying from an anonymous listener again uh, saying they quite enjoyed the remake of uh, Twelve Angry Men, which was exactly the original film, but updated slightly to reflect modern social roles. So it wasn't better than the original, apparently, but it was still in in the spirit of it and just up- updating things. So it's it's a it's a film about um, the jury at a homicide trial, which I guess you know different attitudes and and different changing laws are quite obvious. I mean, the specific comment in the email was social roles, and I think that's very important, you know. That's where you can really change a movie, and that's where I was going back to the Shakespeare thing earlier, is the social roles are in these Shakespearean plays are actually far more relevant to Africa than they are to Western Europe now, and it, it's interesting to see that some things do... N- reach a new audience and bring a new message to new people when you rewrite them. But I think another one which is interesting is quite a lot of people quite like the remake of the Thomas Crown Affair, which was a while ago now, but that was done with Pierce Brosnan, and of course, Pierce Brosnan isn't probably anyone's favourite actor, and as um, we were discussing before we came on air, quite how awful his singing was in Mamma Mia. It's not even worth listening to find out, people just don't go there. If you, you would have listened to Mamma Mia if you um, want to. But um, So in the, the original Thomas Crown Affair, um, the protagonist was organising a bank job. Whereas in the remake, Pierce Brosnan's character is stealing a painting which he owns. Yes, yeah, so he put, he gives donates his own painting to a museum to put on show. And then because he's bored as being having lots of money and wants something to challenge him, he decides to steal his own work of art. And uh, one thing that's quite interesting is, is the difference that people today, they just felt that a rich person deciding to point guns at people, okay, he doesn't actually do the bank job, but he pays them to it, just wouldn't have flown in the year of the remake was made. Whereas a rich man just doing something for fun is kind of understandable. Okay, it's a waste of police time and things like that, but it was something that people could associate with, and I think that's quite an interesting way it's changed. Right, and the, this is... I think even even if the protagonist in in in, in a work is not a positive character, you, it does help if the audience can relate to them in some sense. So, with people being a little bit less pro guns and faces now. Yeah, I, I think also in the Thomas Crown Affair, you are actually meant to not necessarily totally sympathise with a character. That's dependent on who you are, but you aren't meant to hate them. Definitely, you know, it's meant to be. Has he, has he not stopped, you know, what's going on? Uh, it's also his relationship with the insurance investigator. You know, that's quite an important element to it, and how their relationship involves their movies quite good. I mean, that's one thing they also very much sexed up in the new version, which worked really well, whereas that probably was something which just, again, time, it's become more acceptable to have a more powerful woman, though hmm. I wouldn't like to say anything about the social dynamics of the early movie, because um, that's not my field. No. But speaking of classic movies which were remade for various reasons the the remake of the italian job i think was largely to launch the uh, the new mini well it was okay, so um yeah it, it is really horrific but it's actually so i have no problem with the movie existing but it is literally we took the title and we put some minis in it and um i think it so part of it was just sort of i think to get new actors into the role and get people to watch them uh they weren't particularly new they had other things but you know just get 
people's on high profile. And yeah, as you say, I would not be surprised if a Mini was given an awful lot of money to make that happen. A promotional vehicle for people and vehicles alike. Yep. I have heard, though, this, this kind of surprised me, that um, they're remaking Dallas. Tell me more about Dallas. Uh, you, d- you didn't watch Dallas, because I didn't either. But a big, big, big thing back in the day when I was very little. And, um, of course, Dallas is all... It kind of... I think the main thing about Dallas is it's the one that have a TV series where they decided they want to bring a character back, so they claimed it was all a dream. Oh, uh, that's why I've heard of it. Yes, and I, I really don't know who shot JR, but since he didn't die and it was all a dream, it doesn't matter. Well, what can you do, eh? Uh, not shoot JR. No, it's coming back in 2012, but I think it's, it's actually not a reboot. This is what's interesting. I think it's his son or his grandson. Or his, or his new dream, perhaps. His new dream. His new dream. It's all free to go. And, um... Yeah, so if, you, if, you, if you're looking forward to the 2012 version of Dallas, um, then write in on email if you really suffered during the JR Who Shot plot, or if you know who shot JR, uh, send in any of your information to studio at camfm.co.uk.
97.2 camfm.co.uk on air and online your camfm welcome back that was what i'm trying to say part one as performed by the Diz. it was originally by stars and they have an album called do you trust your friends where they got friends of theirs who are in bands to cover every track on one of their albums which is kind of kind of a nice concept and with varying degrees of success do you trust your friends to, co- to cover my music probably probably <laughs> yeah so you may have noticed that every song so far has been a cover so um we're keeping that trend up for the rest of the show and uh we're now going to move into uh go- well going back a bit because we mentioned dc earlier. this is marvel spider-man it's getting a reboot another one another one reboot well I, reboot remake it's getting difficult but of course what's interesting about Spider-Man is again we're talking about how it changed with society and how things are worries are going on and one of the big changes between the earlier Spider-Man and the Spider-Man we just had the last three movies was that they changed it from being radioactive stuff that made him in Spider-Man into GM stuff and I find that quite intriguing to show shows that they lapse into some sort of thing that's scaring people and make it and I'm sure when Mike Race came out because Mike Race raised for a massive fear that destroyed the world that there must have been a superhero who was powered by a microwave and there was the um, there was the, the, the microwave power station in uh, uh, SimCity 2000 where it was you know, supposed that by the year 2000 we'd have microwave beams from space powering our cities uh, but then the microwave beam might miss and destroy our city uh, which, which made no sense to me playing it because it was but even within a few years it was obvious that was not going to happen well, and, yeah. You could cook a chicken, though, but holding it over the dish. Mm, yeah. I think it might cook it a bit fast if it's enough to power a city. But on the other hand, of course, we have the fact that The Incredible Hulk was remade several times. This was pointed out by one of our listeners. Uh, yeah, tw- twice in the space of five years. Um, and both of them, well, didn't really do that well. See, I remember... I think I watched the first one that came out recently, and it was dire. And I can't remember... It was some biological radioactive um, thing that exploded frogs or something it was it was not worth remembering but i think the reason they've remade this is because they got the avengers coming out and they wanted to have all the avengers there ah well this the, 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 realizing that requires more knowledge of comic book universe than i have yeah well when i got taught there was an avengers i would admit the first thing that came into my head was the avengers uh, the tv series um you know bowler hats and stuff oh yes yes but but, but but not who are not known for wearing, you know, underpants over their clothes. Oh, and I've just remembered, they had an awful movie of that as well. With, um... Oh, God, it has Sean Connery in it. Oh, this is... Dire. Ring, this is Ringing Faint Bells of a film I saw movie trailers for and thought, I'll never see that. Yeah, you, you didn't miss them out much. So movies you should never see, um... <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, m- meanwhile, there was, you know, there, there was... Speaking of stars, well, not speaking of stars, we were speaking of stars earlier, now we're speaking of stars again. There was the kind of Star Trek half reboot, half not reboot. You know, they found a trick to keep continuity while throwing it away. So throw in some time travel, make it mess up the timeline, but then keep it together a bit. It, see, I have, I have a real problem with the new Star Trek movie. Is one, I didn't find it, I found it quite vacuous as a story. I didn't like the story. Uh, it can go to, I thought a lot of the stuff they'd done to it to make it more appealing, I could understand where they were coming from, but the overall plot arc was rubbish. The science was awful to the point it's like worrying about trying to dodge a supernova supernovas are big big explosions but you kind of know one you've got quite a while before it gets to your planet it can only travel at the speed of light right and they in Star Trek they can get around that they otherwise it'd be a very boring series we're going to the next planet come back in a thousand years time and um, presumably you can also anticipate them by monitoring the condition well, of these this is one thing is we're not very good at anticipating them because 
and the other problem is that if phase one does go off near us it will wipe it could do a lot of damage to life on this earth because of massive amounts of radiation but having said that you know we do have you would have fought in Star Trek and they would know because you would use your warp drive you would <clears throat> go to a planet a while away from you you would then see the stars disappeared and then you know the explosion is travelling between you and where, point A and point B and perhaps I don't know how warp drives work because they're fictional if you weren't if, if you were travelling through real space you would also go through the blast wave at one point which would be rather annoying uh, but I hope you have good shields yeah. and that's actually oh that's just remind me of Peter of Hamilton book um, the Pandora star where they found two stars which looked like they had Dyson spheres around which are these um, spheres the idea is you take all the matter in the solar system and you make a sphere around the sun and then you live on the inside of that sphere because you can catch all the light oh. and so they saw two stars that disappeared because they had fast night travel between planets and they decided they'd been Dyson spheres because they, where they looked at them they changed from uh, stars to red dwarfs effectively so they looked like um, these red warm bodies of just infrared heat coming out and that suggested that something was absorbing the light um, but that would take a long long time to find out and this plot starts when they someone discovers that they turn off like that and that means that suddenly something's gone on there and they weren't a Dyson Sphere because it would take so long to build on these spheres something else had to happen and what they find is someone's imprisoned the solar system and uh, that seems like quite so that's the plot and hence why it's called Pandora's Star is reference to Pandora's Box oh and re- releasing everything back into the world maybe maybe that's what we do would, it, would we ever do something as stupid as accidentally release something back that had been hidden inside a box
97.2 camfm.co.uk on air and online your camfm so that was of course for legend Jimi Hendrix doing all along the watchtower which is a cover which I didn't realise you did not realise well I, I didn't realise until I found out how many years ago yeah uh, okay yeah but, so, but inevitably I came across it well, I came across another cover version of it uh, through Battlestar Galactica. Yes, which is, of course, why we played it. But, yeah, so originally a Bob Dylan song, and then shortly afterwards became a Jimi Hendrix song, which is probably... Is it better known? Yeah, I suppose it's better known for. And then, that's, yes... It, that's possibly because um, Bob Dylan was so prolific. He, he, he's, just, he, he's got too much... Oh, Hendrix also pretty prolific. Anyway. Well, also, I think the Hendrix version is better. I, w- I wouldn't disagree. Go, I mean, well, I'm sure the Dylan fans are there crying at me, but I, I think... Henry brought some amazing life to that. Um, but yes, it's a pivotal part in the Battlestar Galactica reboot, which was, you know, done as a, originally started as a miniseries backdoor pilot movie thing, which kind of took off, and then it made it for several seasons, and they did the whole art, plot arc. And it was quite interesting how they changed things. One was they got better scriptwriters. <laughs> um, but and still there are bad bits in it, I won't deny that. But it, it, there's also things like uh, the humanoid Cylons, these biological machines stroke robots. In, indistinguishable from the real thing, which is quite a big jump from, I guess, yeah, back in the day, the idea of uh, humans who are actually robots was maybe slightly less plausible. Well, they, they were in the original thing. So they were in... I don't know if it was in the later add-ons or whatever in the actual series itself, but there were human actors playing Cylons, and they were meant to be these more advanced robots. Oh, okay. Uh, I, and I remember there are strange ones. There's an episode where they do actually get to Earth and on Halloween, and people think the Cylons in a costume and it interacts with a microwave! That is totally serendipitous. I did not realize. Uh, sort of makes a thing go bonkers. I don't know why. Can't kill them with bullets, but you know microwaves beat them any day. Oh, and pe- people are still afraid of microwaves. The whole uh, the, the microwave ovens that you know this, these waves are going to come out and fry our brains. But well, you shouldn't take the door off. Well, well, yes. But nor should you ever put a grape in a microwave. Uh, no, don't do that. That's very, very bad. Just YouTube it. Um, but I think the thing I love about New Bastard was they took loads of stuff and they did update it, but at the same time, is it's very, very retro. It's very... Because they talk about how they don't want linked computer systems because it's only the Bastard Galactica that's got this really archaic system that can survive the hacking because it was set up for a Cylon attack. Where all the more modern stuff is set up with computer systems, link systems, and the Cylons just hack straight through all the defences. Partly because one of the lead characters handed them all the codes. Which I love the idea that you can just get the defence codes. I, I really hope our security is better than that on our system. More than just all, you know, all the codes, please, one disc, thanks, bye. Yeah. But it's, it's quite a neat way to to explain to a modern audience why everything is so archaic um, by you know, working it into the plot. And then it allows for, you know, many more things to kind of what to go wrong, I suppose. Um, it's a much more effective plot device than, I think, having you know, extremely modern technology on these things would have been. And one thing I love is is the industrial nature of a ship. It's, it feels like a, a ship. It doesn't. It feels like a naval ship. It doesn't feel like the Star Trek pristinely clean thing with sliding doors. Every single door, every major door, is a pressure door that they have to bolt shut. And that makes sense to me, because if you get a ship blowing out, you want the doors to be your first defence. You can't have the Star Trek, let's just put force fields here and force field there. They don't... I don't think they ever even talk about force fields. It's all... The big weapons are all nukes. The guns are all flat cannons just throwing well, stuff in the air. They're, they're all, all projectiles, things. yeah. It, it, it's all believable stuff. I mean, the only thing they have to do, the only sort of cheating effect, is the faster than light drive. And that's kind of acceptable just because how dull a story can be if you have to do relativistic stuff. Th- then again, uh, one, one, one work which did v- very good space-based plots without fast and less travel is Alien. 
Yes. Which, well, which, which again? Actually, no, you're wrong. Am I wrong? They have faster than light. They just don't have very faster than light. Oh, okay. So, so, so they're all asleep because they're going faster than light, but it's just not not it's, in, it's not, not instantaneous travel to anywhere. Yeah, it still takes oh, a while. Yeah, yeah. At least there's some reason when I watched it the other day when we we're watching it again uh, for a reason we'll explain in a moment. That um, yeah, I still got the feeling it was meant to be FTL. It was still meant to be faster than light drive. Of course, the big problem with faster than light drive is where do you get the energy to keep powering yourself along, or well, to get you up to speed and then to slow down at the other end? Right. Obviously, once you're there, you're fine. Apart from you start hitting lots and lots of gas. Yeah, and I guess this, this is one of the reasons it's, it's impossible, right? You need infinite energy to get that fast. Well, to actually get to the speed of light, yes. But to get very close to it, you, I mean, how, how close do you need to get to it? And the interesting thing is, if you ignore relativity, which says as you get closer to the speed of light, time slows down, if you ignore that effect, if you just use a good old-fashioned, the faster, more energy put out, the faster you go, actually what you find is that that equates to what you perceive, because you don't notice time slowing down. So if you hit the speed of light, time will become zero would stop moving so that's what needs infinite energy because from your perception you would instantaneously get from A to B huh and it's just the maths all cancels out which you would have to because otherwise if it doesn't you get situations where you could cause really nasty nasty things to happen I see so there's two reasons for bringing up Alien one of them is of course uh, Prometheus is is not you know not quite not, not quite a prequel not quite a reboot of the franchise we don't know what it is he won't tell us Right, yeah, Ridley Scott will not turn off. Very ambiguous, but some, some really great trailers. Um, but also, if you're based in Cambridge, or if you're somewhere within range of Cambridge, perhaps you'd like to come and see a live version of this very, very radio show at the Arts Picture House, followed by a screening of Alien, the original film. Yes, so um, look up the Cambridge Arts Picture House, or actually, probably even better, because it will have more information. If you look up uh, facebook.com forward slash think outreach, which is the sort of umbrella thing that organises this and some other events around Cambridge, uh, you can find that we have shared the event on our page. Come along, it'll be great to see you. It'll be great, yes, and we will have many, many exciting things to show you. Uh, I, I, think, I think we may even have some My Little Ponies in there. Well. You didn't know that, did you? I didn't know that, and now I do, and I'm going to have to ask you about this. Well, we can do it during this next track.
97.2 camfm.co.uk on air and online your camfm welcome back that was four as performed by alarm wheel sound it's originally by aphex twin and there's an album full of orchestral arrangements of aphex twin tracks uh, which is pretty good they managed to turn the kind of strange noises and computer glitches and so on into pretty listenable music well listenable to me at least so as we're just going to finish off for his last link talking about Tim Burton who seems to have done remakes or I'm not really sure what to call them, his own versions of things like he did Batman I think his Batman was actually quite good I haven't I, I'm not I don't know which one it is uh, the oh try presumably it. the one before the current set the one before the current set yes right okay 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 uh, I, and yeah it, it went well he um, gave a very dark gothic feeling <laughs> there's a surprise uh, and of course he's also did Alice which he claims is not a rewrite or a reimagination but I don't know what it is then. What can if it's not if it's not a, a, a remake of or reimagining? Well, yeah, it, it is. It's just a, and it's not a sequel either. Even though it clearly seems to, I I have no idea. It, it's but he's so keen on remakes. He's actually remaking one of his own films. He had a film called Frankenweenie, which was released in as a short he made in 1984. And I guess now he's rich and famous and he can make whatever he wants. He's he's making a new version of that. He's making it for Disney, isn't it? Because it's Frankenstein story rewritten as if the dog was being remade. I see. It, it, it does not sound good for you or me to watch. No, maybe probably not, probably not for us. Um, may may have to take the kids to that one, um, yeah. or maybe not. Hopefully, they're not old enough. Yeah, but then on, on the Al- back back in Alice Land, there's um, so there's, there's two there's two Alice books. Alice in Wonderland is actually the sequel to Through the Looking Glass, right? Yes. Um, uh, oh, I don't or perhaps the other way around. I don't know which way around it is. That's on. I assume it is, but I don't know if it is that way around because they were written by um, Lewis Carroll. Lewis Carroll, who is as pseudonym for someone else who was Charles Dodson thank you and um, he was at Christchurch Oxford and uh, Alice was uh, Alice Liddell the Dean of Christchurch daughter and what's quite interesting is the shop I think it's in the looking glass it goes into a shop with a sheep in you can actually go to that shop in Oxford and it's there uh, and the picture in the book because the picture's got etchings looks exactly the same as the shop except for it doesn't have a giant sheep serving you no um, uh, various people have done works based based on Alice um, Jeff Noon who um, is maybe more famous for his, his surrealist novel Vert has a novel called Automated Alice where Alice accidentally travels through time to Manchester in 1998 and then meets a robot version of herself powered by computer mites who are termites who perform calculations via some mechanism that's poorly explained um, which is yeah it's pretty it's, it's, it's pretty crazy I think it's, it's, it's in keeping with the feel of the originals if not the target audience what as if it's been induced by an LSD situation yeah, let's go with that that is worrying. Um, so yeah, one thing we were going to say is um, we haven't got much time before the end of the show, but for the rest of the series, we're actually quite interested in... If anyone's got any ideas for what they want us to talk anything from science, any fiction they want us to bring in together, uh, we'll see. Send us an email at... Show at scienceoffiction.co.uk and we'll see if we can fit you in. Yeah, that'll be brilliant. So um, that's all of for us this week and um, we'll um, be back same time next week. See you then.